I'm Adam Kaiser. And I'm Jordan Fees. Welcome to the first episode of the Risky Business Podcast. The first episode. Here we are. We're doing it. We're doing it. It's a long, I guess it hasn't been that long of a road, but it's been a road. Exciting. We're excited to have you all listening. We're excited to riff compliance to you. And uh, to get things started for us today, we have Alan Gibson, who's the Assistant General Counsel of Compliance and Ethics at Microsoft. But before we dive in, because I'm a bit of a tease, let's discuss some of the trending topics that are kind of going on in the world of compliance today. So Jordan, anything uh, anything you want to talk about? Anything that's happening in the world today? Yeah, never a dull moment in the compliance world. You know, I think a lot of practitioners right now are thinking through how to prepare their programs for the year ahead, but most importantly for the new administration. Um, you know, I think it's expected that more enforcement actions will be happening. And I think a lot of companies are kind of bracing for that and ready to see how that plays out. I mean, we already saw Google and Facebook face enforcement actions the end of last year, and everyone's watching to see how those play out, but should be an interesting year as the Biden administration comes in and seems like they're going to favor regulation over breakups. Yeah. And Apple, this there could be uh, something in the future for them as well. You know, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of things for them last year. They were part of those hearings. There was their sort of legal battle over uh, with Epic Games and all sorts of things. So I think also what's interesting is you mentioned more enforcement actions. So more enforcement actions are just going to say you need a more robust uh, compliance program. And certainly with that, you would need better data to sort of drive how you're actually running your program and, and so forth. So I think those are going to be some things that definitely have to move into f- the forefront for this year for compliance teams and so forth. Absolutely. And I think having an emphasis on you know a need for robust compliance programs is just going to elevate the profession as a whole. So let, let me ask you this. What do you think organizations can do to best harness the power of analytics within their compliance program? Well, I have 19 points. No, I'm kidding. I actually, I'm not an expert. You know that obviously, but the question you're asking and all that is really what we're going to hear today on Risky Business with Alan Gibson. So we kind of like to start, start at the beginning, as they say. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I we, we believe that no kid really grows up saying, I'm going to mitigate risk when I grow up. So how'd you get into compliance? Yeah, it was a uh, long and winding journey for me. And let me just start by saying that being a lawyer or a compliance professional as at least my second, if not my third career. I actually had a business background and actually started my own sales company. And so, you know, to tie it to, you know, how I became a compliance professional is I came out to Microsoft. I was a frontline commercial attorney. I actually got recruited out our legal department and actually moved over into a business development role where I leveraged my business background and my legal background to set up operations, pricing, policy, licensing in a new business unit at Microsoft, uh, then spent some time in our commercial operations group. And when that happened, it gave me some pretty broad experience at Microsoft. And that was the inflection point where I became a compliance professional because we were undergoing a investigation by the United States Department of Justice about some of our 
business practices, primarily our overseas uh, business practices. And the legal department, you know, my sense is was really looking for somebody that could speak both legalese and business language because we had some compliance risks that we needed to remediate in the business. And so I like to think that, yeah, I became a compliance professional because I had the ability to serve as a secret decoder ring and speak both languages. And I definitely did not wake up thinking that that's what I wanted to do, but that that's how I ended up in this spot. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, when I was a kid, I used to talk, I want to grow up and host a compliance podcast. So that's, <laughs> but it's been an amazing journey. And for me, the part that I really love about it is the diversities of risk and issues that I get to work on. But the other part is you have this opportunity to work at this intersection of legal, compliance, tech, business, and the diversity of not just the risks and issues you're dealing with, but of all the different stakeholders is amazing. It's awesome. Yeah. So in hindsight, I wish I would have known about the career path uh, earlier in my career. One of the things that we like to ask, and it's uh, kind of our saucy question, we like to ask our guests to share an, an oh shit moment. And it can be kind of two things, right? It can be a, it could be a career defining moment where things just went shit bad. And you had to course correct or, you know, do something to, to fix it. Or it might just be one of those sort of, you know, moments where the lights went dim, was dark, and then there was a spotlight on your face that said, wow, this just happened. So it doesn't have to be a negative oh shit moment because there's certainly a positive oh shit moment. So what, what do you have in your repertoire of oh shit moments for us? Well, I, I guess I'll call it my oh shit moment. And it's a it's a little bit of a story in that, you know, I, I mentioned that I became a compliance professional and I moved into uh, our compliance and ethics organization about seven years ago. And I was working on our FCPA investigation. Well, as we were going through that, one thing that we were focused on is let's figure out what we need to do with our compliance program. Uh, how do we need to evolve it? Not just in terms of uh, how we're responding to the investigation, but also as we look out in, into the future, what should our program actually look like? So we started to write a strategy memo that we were sending up to our chief compliance officer, who's also our was our general counsel and president, along with the audit committee. And you know, when when you start off, it's the annual report on the effectiveness of the compliance program. And we wrote that and our general counsel and chief compliance officer came back and said, that's great, but what are you going to actually do with the compliance program over the next couple of years? What are you going to do for compliance 3.0, speaking in the high-tech vernacular? And you, we sat there, it was like, geez, we didn't even realize we were on compliance 2.0, let, let alone 3.0. And so we started to write the equivalent of a, of a strategy memo. And with it, you know, the compliance professionals, what do you go to? The, the stuff that you sort of know and understand. And, you know, it's like, hey, let's figure out how we can simplify our policies. Let's figure out how we can improve our hotline reporting. Let's figure out what we can do around third-party risk management or our partner compliance program. All the usual sort of stuff for a compliance professional. But when you think about it, we're at Microsoft. We had a new CEO, Satya Nadella, who was about uh, instilling a data-driven culture at, at the company. 
And we were challenged then, hey, your memo doesn't go far enough. How's Microsoft going to incorporate data into its compliance program? And I was responsible for drafting a paragraph or a couple sentences. And as, as I look back on it, it was something about, we're going to place a, be- a big bet on our strength in big data analytics to create an early warning system for certain types of compliance violations. And you know, it was drafted by a lawyer, intentionally ambiguous, but this is kind of the oh shit moment is that the executives in the audit committee liked our memo. And because I had written those sentences, Obviously, I knew as much as anybody about using analytics in a compliance program. And so I was then voluntold that I was going to lead the development of a compliance <laughs> analytics program. Voluntold. All right. That's, that's the word of the day from now on. Or maybe for the word of the week. Voluntold. I love that. And when you think about it, think about, you know, uh, five years ago is, you know, compliance analytics was a new concept. And, you know, the DOJ hadn't been issuing guidance about it yet, whether it was expressly provided like in the June guidance or when you think back about the guidance from five years ago, data was never expressly mentioned in any of that guidance. And so it was really like, oh, shit, what do I do now? You want to, I'm a lawyer. I don't know very much about analytics. Hey, my understanding of analytics that I always tell people was limited to my, my business school stats class and um, reading and understanding the back of baseball cards and cyber metrics. And all of a sudden I'm in charge of designing and implementing a compliance analytics program for Microsoft. Yeah, that was kind of like, oh, that, that got real in a hurry for me. And so it really took me back to, it's like, how do I learn something, one from the ground up and something that's really emerging? But it's the greatest decision I ever made. I love that story so much because I think today if someone looked at you and your title and all the great work that you do, you're one of the you know most forward-thinking minds on compliance, data, and analytics and all of these things. But just a couple of years ago, you know, it really takes you back to like the first moment where you you had to figure it out. So after this happened, what what did you do next? Like, how did you start to tackle this issue? People will think that I may make this up, but one of the first things that I did was uh, go buy big data for dummies. <laughs> I mean, I was in, at at Square, you know, Square Zero. Is that, is, that, is that the right way to talk about it? it one hundred one, and it was like I had to get an understanding of analytics types of data, types of analytics. You, you, you heard those buzzwords. I mean, even, even five years ago, think about how much it has changed. You know, people talked about big data, structured and unstructured data without really understanding what it meant, where it was stored, how you got access to it, quality of the data. But then when you think about what I had to learn, it's like I, I at least to have intelligent conversations, I actually have to understand what artificial intelligence is and isn't. You know, what's machine learning? Is it something that's the same or different? Well, it's a subset of AI, but you don't know that when you start in so that I could start to have these sorts of conversations. I work at Microsoft, so there's lots of people that this is second nature to, but I had to find those people, but I also had to find the other people in the greater compliance community and the business that also wanted to uh, use analytics to tackle these risks. 
and I wasn't on this journey by myself, but I, I remember sitting in a conference room with five or six other people. And it was one of those that we just didn't feel like we were gaining and you know, any traction really getting anywhere. And it's like, at the end of the day, what are we actually trying to accomplish? And for us, we were focused on our corruption risk. And it's like, what would be really useful? Close your eyes and imagine a world where we could do X or had the ability to do Y. What would X and Y be? And it's like, well, gosh, out of the millions of sales contracts that Microsoft enters into, which ones create the most risk for Microsoft? That would be super powerful. And then we just started to break down what that actually meant. And that, that's how we started on our journey. I mean, I think it's just such a relatable story for compliance professionals as, you know, technology and data and analytics just starts to become a bigger part of the function and of the industry and of the role. I think a lot of other compliance professionals are finding themselves in those shoes of like, okay, I, I have a lot to learn. Where do I start? Start small, get some wins, show the value of it, and then you'll have lots of people knocking on your door. So what has kept you at Microsoft? I'm sure you've had countless opportunities to go elsewhere, but what, is, what has kept you there? What's interesting about that is Microsoft is an amazing place to work and to have a career but you know, as, as people talk about it, is I could have a 17-year career at Microsoft or I could have a series of two or three-year careers because you're able to move around and uh, bounce around and really follow your, your passions, your interests, as long as they're aligned with the, the Microsoft mission. And so like if somebody was to look at my resume, they'd see me spending two or three years in a number of different areas of the company or on a variety of different projects. And so even though I've been a compliance professional for the last seven years at Microsoft is I was pretty much of a traditional compliance attorney, you know, my first couple years there. Then I went on this detour of building out the compliance analytics program at Microsoft with a with a large V team working across the company, had tremendous support, which was a lot of fun. And that was about um, identifying, predicting, and monitoring um, compliance risks at Microsoft. But then, as I mentioned, you know, there's been a lot of interest from other companies in terms of leveraging our methodology and know-how and building similar types of compliance programs. And so for the last two, about two years, I've really been uh, leveraging my business roots and thinking about how we commercialize and monetize the solutions. So I work with global systems integrators, uh, ISVs, big fours, especially PwC, to help other companies build out their compliance analytics program. And so the reason I've stayed at Microsoft for 17 years is I always have access to new challenges, new big problems to go after. So we had your oh shit moment and we talked about that, but maybe on the, the flip side of the same coin, what's one of the proudest moments of your career? It goes from the oh shit to one of the proudest moments as we talk about compliance analytics is we were undergoing this uh, investigation by the Department of Justice. and. As we were going through that, we made presentations to the government about our compliance program. 
And we were pretty proud of what we were doing in the area of compliance analytics. And so I was asked to actually do a live demo of our um, solution to the DOJ. So in, in DC, and if anybody's been lucky enough to either work at the DOJ or to present to the DOJ is no offense is intended by this, is from a technology perspective, they may not be the most sophisticated place. And so uh, I was super nervous about doing this presentation for them from the logistics perspective. You know, were we going to be able to pull it off in the sort of conference room we had based on the wireless, based on the screens? And so we had to figure out how we're actually going to pull off this demo. So I fly back the day before, meet with the DOJ's AV person to uh, make sure that it all works. And it's like this antiquated projector that, that there, there's no screen for me to plug my laptop in to actually put it up on on a wall like a like a, a conference room. So they come in like with this old school projector that I have to figure out how to make it work with my laptop, and I have to go through the all the different dongles for the for the inputs to to. Make make it work. And so we get it all set up and it's like this rickety setup where I'm having to balance the projector on a stack of books that they've given me and projected on this one wall that's behind where everybody's going to be sitting the next day. It's like my stress levels going through the roof about pulling off this demo. I don't need some sort of blue screen moment <laughs> moment in, in front of the DOJ. And so we get it working. And so it's like, you know, 18 hours before the presentation, the, the show, the, the show the next day. And so show up early the next day. And, you know, there's the long line to go, th go through the screening and it must take an hour to go through this line. So instead of being there, you know, an hour before the presentation, again, just to double check that it's all going to, to work, you know, I end up running it right before the meeting happens and I run into the AV guy and he's like, Alan, you're going to be so excited. All the challenge we were having with the projector yesterday, you know, I decided that we should go out and get a new one. So I got money and I went out and bought a new projector and it's all ready for you to use. We just need to take it out of the box. So now we have this big moment of where we're going to do this demo. I have equipment. I've never used it before. So we go through this and, you know, that's just kind of the setup where the demo works and it goes off, you know, relatively flawlessly. Lots of really, really good questions from the attorneys. But at the end of it, you know, when we're getting a debrief about the presentation, on one side of this conference room table is about 10 Microsoft attorneys along with our outside counsel. On the other side is a, a, the equivalent number of uh, representatives from the DOJ. And their comment was, that you know they expected Microsoft to be using technology in their compliance program, but you know the advances that we had made, we were further along than what they anticipated. We were doing some things that other companies said that they couldn't do, that they were encouraged by our results. And then the proud moment is, Microsoft, you need to figure out how to make money off of this. And it was just this surreal moment of like, oh my gosh, they think from a substantive perspective that what we're doing is really valuable. But then there's just the fact that there's a commercial application for it and they'd like us to start figuring out how we we're going to monetize it was really cool also. So it brought my worlds of business, legal, tech, compliance all together in just that moment. So that was kind of a highlight. I mean, it's just you paint such a 
vivid picture, almost, I mean, it's like comedy, you know, like all both of you running around trying to jerry-rig the old projector, getting the new one. I'm sure at the time it was not funny, but I'm glad, I'm glad we can laugh about it today. Yeah, well, I definitely laugh about it today. But the other part with it, when you think about these agencies and the regulators and you think about the guidance that they're issuing is a lot about of what they know about what's possible is based on these sorts of presentations from people that are are coming in like like we did and it, it's not it's not intended to be a shot at, at them at all they have really really hard hard jobs, but the amount of learning that they can get from all these companies and how you start to see it come back in the guidance, I think is amazing. Just as you think about the the June update and how they talk about the use of data and some of the language they use there just shows not what necessarily what they've learned from Microsoft, but other companies going in and presenting it. And we're all in this together and we're all learning from each other. So I just think that's super cool. Well, and I think each one of you kind of raises the bar for everyone else or for the industry, right? Because once, you know, the DOJ sees what's possible and understands that, oh, companies can do this, then it kind of raises the bar for everyone, which I think is is bittersweet sometimes. Well, for us, and, and this is part of, you know, when we first thought about the compliance analytics program and quote unquote commercializing it is for me, I'm blessed in that I can freely share our our methodology and know-how. Because when we started down this path, it wasn't just, it wasn't about monetizing it necessarily, but it was more of a situation where the rising tide raises all boats. When we were getting investigated, there there are other tech companies that are in a similar position. So I spend lots of time with with my peers and chief compliance officers, just freely sharing to thinking about, you know, how we can quote unquote, clean up the sales channel, what advances we can put on to identify, predict and monitor for corruption risks. And we think that compliance is a strategic advantage if if you have a, a good compliance program, but we want everybody to have a good compliance program. It's, it's good for all of us. And so that's why it really builds out this community. We're, we're sharing the knowledge. What advice would you give to people that came and said, look, I want to elevate my program. I want to use technology. We don't have a lot in place right now. What would you say? To them? Where do they start? What kind of advice would you give them? So one is I am a technology guy through and through, but you have to be careful that technology is, is just not just a tool, but it's a tool to uh, solve your problem, to remediate your risk. And where I always start with a compliance professional is like, okay, what's the risk we're actually trying to remediate or mitigate? What problem are you actually trying to solve? And start down that path. And technology may be a tool that helps you solve it. It may not be. I always talk about the continuum of people, process, and technology. And to figure out what you be, need to be doing with your people, you got to understand what problem you're, you're trying to manage. And so, so much of it is just sitting down with compliance professionals and framing out exactly what are we trying to accomplish. And, you know, people talk about technology. They want the sort of system that Microsoft has. And, you know, the analogy that I always talk about is you have a dam. Your dam has a 
hole in it and water is rushing through. Yeah, I can use all sorts of technology or tools to measure the amount of water that's leaking through the dam, uh, the velocity with which it's going, uh, how much water is going to leak through it, how much water has leaked through it. How about if we just fix a hole in the dam? You know, let, let's start there. I, I don't need to measure it. If it's leaking, let's figure out how we can reduce the amount of water flowing through that hole before we start measuring it. And then we can figure out the different solutions to go after it. Alan, one elephant in the room we haven't mentioned yet is the pandemic and its impacts on the compliance industry. And it, we're recording this in January 2021. So it seems like at this point there's a light at the end of the tunnel. But what's your take on the lasting impacts that COVID is going to have on the compliance industry? Yeah, fingers crossed for all of us. It's been a challenging time to be a compliant professional, especially in certain areas or risk domains. What I've seen from the pandemic is it has accelerated like the digital transformation of compliance programs. And what I mean by that is, one, how compliance professionals are working and remotely and the infrastructure they need to run and manage their programs is different and will have a lasting effect. But then from the risks, the themes and schemes, the types of behaviors that we're monitoring is there are different avenues that we're aware of about how remote workers are trying to cheat the system or take advantage of the situation that we just hadn't thought about before. And so whether it's privacy, security, fraud, yes, corruption, but there's just these new themes and schemes. And with it, it has highlighted some of the fissures or fractures in our infrastructure that's supporting them. The pandemic's brought out the best in a lot of people, but it's also highlighted some less less savory behavior. One insight that I will that I will provide to you is uh, I do think that as a profession, we're going to keep moving towards what I think is the North Star or one of the North Stars is this concept around creating a digital compliance office or a digital compliance program. And I, I do predict that we're going to be moving to a world where all compliance-related data is going to be contributed to a, a data lake or a, a data warehouse where compliance professionals uh, working with their data scientists are going to be able to apply machine learning and AI to really identify where people should be focusing their finite resources to a prioritized set of risks. And I think that analytics more and more are going to be built into um, workflows or business processes, not just for corruption or bribery like we're focused on, but other risk domains that may fall within a chief compliance officer's scope. Right now, you know, cybersecurity may be sitting in another part of the organization, but a lot of the data that you need for your cybersecurity operations could be used for other parts of your compliance program. So I, I think all of that is going to come together so that the data is going to light up a whole bunch of other compliance scenarios. In my world, and I'm not the only compliance professional that faces this challenge, is when you sit down with the audit committee or your executives, you know, it's like, 
Is it getting better or worse? And then how do we know? And I think data can help us answer those questions so that you're not just reporting of, we had 10 instances of this sort of non-compliance last quarter. Last, last year, we only had six. Well, is it really worse? How do you know? What's the data actually telling you? And I think that's where we're going to get to. And so I just think that this idea of the digital compliance office where you're going to have a comprehensive view of your compliance risk, leveraging your, your company's data is where we're quickly going. Do you have an OSHIP moment that you'd like to share knowing that it will help others like you? Shoot us an email at riskybusiness at We'd love to hear from you.